Somebody said was AV Club was talking about who they would pick to replace Jimmy Fallon, and someone wrote Julie Klausner, and I'm so behind that. I just I don't even know. Dude, what that to, would be fucking. I don't awesome. even know what to do because I'm sick of white dudes in late night. Yeah, dude, she would be great. She would be the For queen sure. of it all. It'd be I agree. Ridiculous. That's how we're opening today's going off track, promoting Julie Klausner to take over for Jimmy Fallon because we all think it would be awesome. And I think Jonah, Brad, and I will agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm sick of white dudes in late night. I don't mean that as a white dude myself or someone who would enjoy doing late night as a career. But it's just like... <laughs> yeah, why aren't you promoting yourself for this position? Yeah, me. Yeah, I'll take over for Fallon. I'm, I, you know, forget Julie. I want you to be Because I'd next. like to point out that I'm taking over for Matt Lauer on the Today Show. Yeah, guys, big announcement today. New gig. Breaking news. <laughs> um, and the reason they're having me do it is because I'm apparently cheap. <laughs> Compared to Matt, incredibly inexpensive. They don't have to do any kind of deal. They just have to pay for my train tickets to get me there and someone to wake me up that early. Or Yeah, at all. Because uh, I live in Jersey, and speaking of Jersey... Greg Atanito from The Bouncing Souls is here. I think it's nice to have people from... We've had a lot of folks from... Uh, I'm going to say one of my favorite bands that I want to assume for everybody else, but you know, we've had Lyle from Minor Thread on, Walter from Quicksand and everything else. It's just cool to be able to like, oh, oh, they're here? Oh, great. Yeah. And Brad will finally get to discuss that ill-fated tour. Ill. <laughs> Still makes me ill thinking about it. <laughs> no, I was, I mean, they're, the Souls. Was it just the Goops and the Souls? Watching the Souls. We had openers. There was an opening band that was local for every, it was a Stormy Shepherd tour. So, like, she was really good at booking opening acts. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been great. It was just, my band was, was dissolved. You were in a different within. spot than they were at. But, but it was fu- great to watch the Bouncing Souls every night. Yeah, man. I love those guys. God, I love those dudes. I remember um, when we would interview them years ago, they were one of those bands like them and the Dropkick Murphys I would always be like, whatever they need. Like, We'll do the interview anytime they want. They're just so nice and so cool. Yeah. And just great to hang out with. And we'd always end up hanging out. And you know the cool thing about the Souls was like it was really like four really individual guys that I mean, they were had the best of friends then you could tell but like you would hang out with any one of them and it would be a different experience which is great on tour like the worst thing in the world would be to have you know four guys are exactly the same but. there were more than one occasion where i'd run into either brian or pete at a show and they would get me so drunk <laughs> that i couldn't see and there was um maybe you were at the show it was against me in mastodon at roseland uh Yes, I was at that show. Okay. I apologize for <laughs> anything I may have said or whatever. We were upstairs, right? Yes, we were. Yeah. Okay. This is good that we both kind of don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I, I vaguely remember this. I remember having enough, and then as I walked out, I see Pete, and he just hands me this plastic cup, and the bottom of it's just full of clear mm. liquid. He's like nodding and shaking it towards me, and I was like, what is that? And he went, it's tequila. And I went, well, because it's you. And then I just remember in the cab ride home going, you got this, man. You'll make it. You'll be fine. You got. You can do this. You'll be okay. And, and my wife saying, yeah, you came in, exhaled sharply, and fell on the bed so hard that I caught air, and it bounced me back up. Flash forward to today where I'm scared Stephen might float away. He's such a lightweight. Oh, boom. Look at that. It's going on. Greg from the Bouncing Souls is here. That works. Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. 
And we have been trying to book this forever, but you guys are, I don't know, what, touring? We do that thing, touring yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah, and you've been yeah. nonstop forever? Yeah. Well, we put out our new record in June of last year, mm-hmm. Comet, and so we just pretty much went on the cycle. We went the U.S. for the summer, we went to Europe, went to Canada, and then we did the Home for the Holidays stuff, mm-hmm. and then we went back to the U- I went to Australia with the Descendants, and then back to the U.K., which was cold and miserable. But the shows were great. I love how you throw in, we went to Australia with the Descendants, as if, <laughs> just kind of just throwing that out there. I know, I know. <laughs> I forgot to mention that that was awesome, yeah. <laughs> I think it's implied. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah, amazing. um, my, uh, among just hanging out with those guys, because they're awesome guys, my one fun story is that uh, Milo asked to borrow my guitar to write a song, which was pretty sweet. Mm. Wow. So that's my Descendants in Australia story. So when that song comes out, whenever that record comes out, like track six, my guitar. Exactly. <laughs> I should ask him to write the lyrics on the back of the guitar. Yeah, that's really I knocking it up. a weird flashback when you said borrow a guitar. Because I, I worked on Warp Tour in 02 or 03, and you, we had like a guitar, we had a whole setup, and you and Shanti would like borrow the guitar oh, and yeah. have to get it out of the back of a truck, and we would do this thing every day. Yes, no, I'm remembering remember too, yes. Yes, we uh, were performing at like acoustic yeah. every day or every other day. That's right. Now it's all coming it's back all coming to me back. too. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, take things no, way off track. No, it's, hey, look at that. <laughs> Not to find segue. So your wife, Shanti, she's done a couple of records, but you guys have a band outside of the souls together. Yes, it's called Playdate. It's for small people. Yes. <laughs> um, they need music. Yeah, they do. And, you know, the idea of it, we put out a children's book in 2007, which we, which we talked to you about mm-hmm. back then. And we had written songs and we're performing them. But every time we did, everyone's like, so where's the record? And we just didn't have it. So Mike from Asian Man was doing a kid's label. And he, it was the catalyst for us to get the record done, which we recorded with Pete from The Bouncing Souls. Michael played drums. And we put it out in october and did a bunch of gigs and everyone had a blast like the parents and you know the kids had a blast in the music we even got like totally by surprise we got everyone's like you guys are on npr you guys are on npr we got like a little thing on npr over in december which was shanti (laughs) we got a message from somebody and she's like playdates on npr and shanti's like oh no someone else took the name playdate (laughs) we're just like it's not us (laughs) what was the reaction like did a lot of bouncing souls fans also come out to those shows yeah it was really cool it was like a lot of the early earliest generation of bouncing souls fans that have kids are like you know older kids now who haven't come out to see the Bouncing Souls probably in over 10 years, came out. Like, a whole other generation that I don't see anymore, I haven't seen for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, and they were stoked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How can I see my old friend? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But but without getting a babysitter. Yeah. See, I started listening to the Bouncing Souls 20-plus years ago. All right, that's it. I'm copying you now. (laughs) I have a studio here. I could actually record it. Do it. (laughs) You can do it. You can do a big tour. It's fun. And the kids, playing for the kids is a whole new thing. And writing kids' songs, like we found, it's a lot more free, too. It's like a whole other thing where it's just like, whatever. It's really like, to be silly is the, is the, is the, 
whole goal. Where does that come from? Like, we're going to write a children's book and do children's <laughs> songs. Like, I don't know exactly. Shanti just wrote, because we just create, you know what I mean? We, don't, we think about all kinds of stuff. We think about skits. We think about kids' shows. We're just like, we do visual art, you know? So I, it just comes out of us. We talk about it. And a matter, it's a matter of which project we finish, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> or which project you abandon. Exactly. Yeah. This and, one's done, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, we're even talking, we have a whole concept for a kid's show and everything that we're working on. It's uh, in the works. Dude, YouTube is the way to go with that. Exactly. Get it up there. Oh, it's amazing. And it's like kids' shows. I did children's theater in college, and it's, it's like, wow, this audience loves us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no, there's no bad show. It's always, yeah, it was great. <laughs> right, right. Kids just dig kids it. Kids are awesome, and the enthusiasm you can't really deny the record's called Imagination, and mm-hmm. what's the? It's on Asian Man, but it's on a, a kids label. Yeah, it's a uh, Asian boy. Fun, fun Asian records. Boy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't interrupt. Little Asian man. <laughs> Asian kid records. Oh, uh, that would have been funny. That would have been smart. I mean, wonder if he thought of that. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> but it's called Fun, Fun Records. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's called Playdate and. The record's called Imagination. Now, did you go through the same process of what do we name the band that everybody goes through? Pretty much, yeah. But I think once Playdate appeared, we were like, that's the one. And I don't think we... If we beat that, great, but we didn't ever beat it. So that was it. It's a pretty good one. It's fun, yeah. It's also a weird, you know, terminology that just didn't exist when we were kids. Right. Just go out and play. Get out of the house. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is true. Hey, knock on a door of some neighbor that you don't know and see if they have kids like that was common yeah (laughs) yeah and remember when you used to be like all right we're going over here maybe we'll see you guys over there like later on (laughs) we didn't have phones you know what i mean (laughs) what time are you supposed to be home uh still light yeah well i'm good yeah right see you when it's dark where are your shoes shoes. (laughs) i feel like play date would give me a lot of anxiety though because it feels like a date like i feel like that makes me nervous enough now as a kid there's pressure involved yeah totally (laughs) we're just playing but also (laughs) yeah and and, and it's a lot it's a group date yeah it's a lot of people show up can go radically wrong as i've witnessed too especially group dates can or play dates the three the three kid play date really yeah two of them break off Uh, oh yeah i've seen it Oh, man. Well, I haven't seen it, but that's brutal. <laughs> See, I don't have to worry about that because I got this duo that will just take you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they 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 would they're the ones. Yeah, they divide and conquer. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever brought a third kid into the mix? Do no. they get left out, or just kind of? No, when you have twins, you just you know. I feel bad. I don't even think about play dates because I'm like they play together. Well, that works. I mean, yeah, they hang with each other. That works great. In a weird way, it's easier than having just one because the kid gets really like play with me and i'm like i don't want to play with you. go play with your sister yeah and it works out great yeah is there are there play date tours have you thought we about did that? uh a couple we did a little one on the east coast and a little one on the west coast just as record release shows mm-hmm. and we did boise and they were great and we're doing now are these all ages shows uh <laughs> sometimes over yeah. 18 are allowed or not <laughs> no yeah under it's only under 18 exactly um yeah, so we're going to do a bunch more this summer. We're going to do, like a lot of rock festivals have kids' stages now. Kidapalooza Whoa. in Chicago is insane. I was there one year. Right. And right in the middle of like the Kidapalooza set, Patti Smith just walked up and was like, I want to play. And played for all the kids and all these parents were like, 
Get out of the way, kid. <laughs> Kids are bummed. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, so we, uh, we're going to be doing that the rest of this year, like this summer and this fall. We have a bunch of other stuff happening with the Playdate stuff. It's really smart. Yeah. It should be fun. What, you said you guys are in Idaho? In Idaho. What prompted that? I'll try to make this short as I can. Mm-hmm. Shanti's mom and dad lived in L.A. They were musicians and movie makers uh, for many years. And then in the late 80s, they decided to just hit the road and get a place in the mountains. So they literally just found this town in, in Idaho. They're like, this town's awesome. Looked just at on property. a road trip, for real? Well, they went on a road trip to find a place, right. a new place to live. Yeah. They were thinking about Colorado. They were thinking about, they had some, they looked on the map at some places they thought. And they've discovered this place that they didn't hadn't thought about. Um, People easily conquered to make an army, obviously. Yes. So they bought. They went to a realtor, bought a piece of property for ten thousand dollars up in the mountains, like looking out in the valley. There's a lake in the town. It's like a little ski town. And the next, I guess, they went back to L.A., packed up all their stuff, rode up there in the springtime, and built a house. And Shanti's dad had never built a house in his life. So all the local people were betting against them. They're like, these crazy people from L.A. are never going to make it. You know, like they're going to be gone by the wintertime. And sure enough, they did it. They built a house and like they closed in the walls and the snow fell like the next day, the first snowfall. And there's amazing video. Like there's video back before cell phones, of course. Like (laughs) they had a patch of land on the hill where there's like a couple trees left. They cleared the trees and they got their phone installed. So her dad's like on a hard line under a tree, like talking, like the phone is the first thing they got, you know? Before the house was built. Yeah, he was just sitting there in the dirt <laughs> under a tree and he's on the phone, just like in a, in a clearing. It's got to nice. be amazing where it's a pole and then it goes right to ordering, the phone. Doesn't he, go anywhere. He's on the phone ordering a trailer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean... Is this trailer homes? The story's... Dot phone. Awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. It is. And the house is a totally a work of art. It's like, it's amazing. We have a barn and we converted the barn to a studio. It's totally awesome. So you moved into her parents' old home. Well, here's what happened. We were living in LA. This is a long story. We, we same were, exact story. <laughs> same <laughs> part, another part of the same story. Shanti and I were living in LA for nine years and her parents had moved to Victoria. So they weren't living in this house anymore. It was just closed up. It's a mountain house. And, uh, the pipes froze and burst and water was everywhere and a neighbor discovered it like two months after it happened. So finally her brother went there and checked it out and it was a disaster, like mold going up the walls. So her parents were like, we have to knock it down or if you guys want, you can move into it and just do whatever you want to it, like gut it. And that's what we did. So we left LA, we went up there and embarked on fixing that house, which took about four years which I can't take a lot of credit in, in fixing because I was away a lot. So Shanti, you know, I have to give hand it to Shanti and her dad helped. Like the first summer we just spent, you know, fixing it all, all day, and all, all night pretty much. He was like, I got this. I've done this before. Yeah, but he was cracked because he was like, it was easier to build it than yeah, it is to fix it. it's always easier to build than it is to, to repair something like that. Yeah, and there was fires that summer. So... Not only was it hot, but it was like we'd wake up in the morning and it looked like just a fog of smoke Ugh. 
all day long. It was a pretty rough summer. It's like a real frontier story. Yeah. Two generations of frontiersmen. Right? You were a legitimate pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> see, when you wake up and you see the impending apocalypse, that means move. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up to our place because no one's going to be there, even when the apocalypse happens. So you're basically, so you're preppers. <laughs> yeah. You got everything stored and ready. Yeah, we don't have. There's some. We have some neighbors that are are really extreme like that, but we have you know. Just, <laughs> I have some neighbors in Idaho. Yeah, you have a lot of neighbors that are like that. I no, yeah, we do. <laughs> some neighbors I know of. Right. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, there's some that I can see from my living room window. Yeah, there's some interesting <laughs> characters up there. It's pretty interesting. I can imagine. Now, are you from? You're from Jersey. Yep. Yeah, from what New Brunswick? Um, just north of there. Okay. Yeah. But uh, and the band, like what? Like, did you were into bands? Like, did the band start one of those things, like, super young, like, high school? 16, yeah. We all went to the same high school. We're in our... I'm still in my high school band, which is... I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's what I... Yeah. It's me, Pete, and Brian started the band playing, like, Ramon songs and Billy Idol and U2 and... Yes. Zeppelin. And then we just kept going. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> wow. All the same high school and kept going. That's ridiculous. Did you have the same name? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> it was either the Bouncing Souls or um, the Manic Doritos, or no, no, something stupid, really bad. A couple of really bad names. <laughs> Bouncing Souls from the Doc Martin ad, right? Yes. Yep. I remember that ad. That's it. Super smart. Yeah. Stress free. You don't have to reinvent yourself. Just go with it. If it works, do it. Yeah. It's so, brilliant. So you don't ever have to like reunite with the high school band. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. Did you, guys yeah. fin- did you guys finish high school or just keep the band going? Brian and I graduated in 88, and Pete was class of 89. So we waited. We kind of like, me and Brian just kind of hung out. Like, I went on a road trip. Brian had a job. And then we're like, okay, when Pete graduates, we're going to move to New Brunswick, which is what we did. So we just kind of hung out for that one year and worked. And tra- I traveled to the West Coast. And then we started the band. We all moved to New Brunswick and just... Like, we're full on, we're going to be a band, and, like, other stuff is just secondary, like jobs and school and all that stuff, just stuff you got to do Wow. to be a band. <laughs> I mean, did it just, like, build up? Did, did a following start immediately? Uh, yeah, New Brunswick at the time was kind of, like, had passed the 80s, like, influx of, like, music scene that was cool, probably in the 80s, and it was having this lull, which is, I think, what happened everywhere, like, in the late 80s and early 90s, like, there was like a surge of coolness in the 80s and then it kind of died at the end of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody in that town was just sort of like, things are lame. And then we just came and started having parties and playing at our parties. And we had backyard parties and we'd have six, seven bands and we'd charge a couple bucks. And it was the only thing that was going on. And you know, then there was that whole resurgence of like basement shows and stuff, which happened mm-hmm. all in the early 90s and... So, yeah, we kind of fueled a fire in New Brunswick, I think. Was there, like, a scene at that point, or did you guys kind of start it? We kind of recreated it, you know? It was, like, like there was a scene in the 80s in New Brunswick. Like, there was, like, the Smithereens, and there was musicians that came from there, and there was the Court Tavern, but it was just kind of, like, at a lull. It was kind of... And as a transient, any college town, it's, like, people always, eventually, after four or five years, the people leave, and things are always changing, so... 
at that time, we kind of were the f- fuel for the next thing that happened there. Was it cool to see, because I feel like New Brunswick is so legendary now, especially with like Thursday and Lifetime and all these other bands. Like, yeah. Why do you think that town kind of has fostered all these amazing bands? Well, I think it's kind of centrally located. And I don't know, maybe it's hard for me to say because I'm from New Jersey, but there's definitely some cool music has come from New Jersey. And I don't know why. Um, you know, I mean, it is, there's a lot to be stimulated by as far as like a kid growing up, I think. And, you know, there's just so much there's culturally here in in New Jersey. Um, so maybe that's why, I don't know. (laughs) I remember my my kids were born in New Brunswick. Oh, really? And I was like, well, now they're going to be in a band. (laughs) That's going to be awesome. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it just just kind of is. I remember thinking like, yeah, it's going to happen. Just is. I'm not even... It's no. like um, osmosis. Yeah, it's just it's like cool. All right, well that'll happen. You know, and they'll either keep going or they'll stop. It'll be just something they go through. You know, whatever. <laughs> right. They'll break up. Fair. Now, when what prompted the transition to bouncing souls to Asbury? Well, first there was New York. Oh, um, you know, everyone kind of migrated to New York, which was natural. I think Brian went first, and then we we're all like, yeah, let's just you know move to New York because we all kind of wanted to anyway. After because New Brunswick. Once it ran a cycle, and we were like, this whole thing kind of burned hot, and now it's just dying. We're like, what do we do? What do we do? This is not happening anymore. Nothing's happening here. No one wants to be here anymore. Let's move to New York. And that's what we did. And that had a whole span, lifespan, which was probably roughly 10 years. And then uh, I moved to the beach at some point during that time, and then people started migrating to the beach. And uh, Kate bought a house in Asbury Park, and that ended up being kind of like the record label hub because mm-hmm. she had an office there, and that's where it just grew from there. And then once we set up a rehearsal space in the basement, that was like confirmed it all. It was like, okay, now, and now Pete has a studio there, and he's oh, recording and producing. He's recorded a bunch of bands. I went down there when he worked, when he and Brian worked on the Loved Ones records. That's such a yeah. great space. Yeah, it is. It's like very comfortable. Yes. And the whole time they're recording, periodically Brian would run out because he was doing his laundry. <laughs> right. It's like, it's awesome. Um, were you upset that the Holiday Cocktail Lounge closed? I did hear about it. I can't say I was totally upset. It is. It was kind of a bummer, but it's just the, the nature of New York these days. Like, no, totally. Well, that place, like, it used to be awesome, and then that owner was that really old guy. Yeah. And he passed away a few years ago. Right. And someone else bought it and put up, like, flat screen TVs. Yeah, it was, it was never... what he was really the... Yeah. He was the awesome. thing, yeah. And without him, it's like, okay, it doesn't matter anymore. It's just a shell of a space yes, anymore. I agree. But yeah, I did hear about it on the news. Is that where you guys ended up, the East Village? Um, I moved, Brian had a place in the East Village. Pete was in the West Village. I moved to Queens for just a short time. And then it was like, I was touring all the time. So it was just like, this is stupid. Why am I spending all this money? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And that happened with everybody after a certain span of time. You guys tour like crazy. but Yeah. we Less than we used to. We have right. like this loose rule, which we don't stick by it to, which is like two weeks, two and a half weeks jaunts, which we broke terribly this <laughs> past month. <laughs> but uh, I survived. I think that's smart. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it, it's healthy. It's, at this point, if it's not fun... We're real. It's not okay. You know what I mean? If you've been a band for almost 25 years, there's only, we only need to, we need to enjoy it. Otherwise, 
I mean, I'd rather do something else. Do you guys tour in a box truck? We the summer last summer we did, but okay. I think the the days of the white the white castle. Yes, they could be actually coming yeah. to an end. How did that kind of come about? Because to me that was so cool. Because no one else is really doing that. Yeah, um, we saw ten foot pole in nineteen ninety five. They had one. They had a gas one, and we're like, that thing's good, man. That thing's smart. It's an RV, but you customize it. So the next year, we signed to Epitaph. They gave us thirty thousand bucks. We went straight to the Ford dealer. And we said we want that one, you know, like the fourteen foot box, the diesel engine. And in nineteen ninety six, we bought it, and that was it. It's like the one the guy, the all guys used to tour in. That's what you guys have. Yeah, but it's they bought it square truck because yeah. But Bill, when Bill Stevenson, when we toured with the Descendants in ninety six, we had just gotten it. And they had this old bus that they toured in in the 80s that they drove out to the Midwest. Oh, so they in. got it off you. They got the idea. Yeah, like, and it broke down. So they hadn't toured in years. Like, they came out with that record in 96. They hadn't toured in years. They got in their old bus, drove to, like, whatever, a thousand miles to the Midwest, and the thing broke down on the way. So they were there in, like, rider trucks because they had to get rental trucks. Right, right. And I literally, Bill walks out, and he's like, I'm talking, we're chatting in the parking lot. I'm like, yeah, let's start trucking. He's like... Oh my god! Like he start, he's can we can we go look at it? And literally, like his everything, his light, he's lighting up like crazy. <laughs> it's like you can get a bigger one, right? You know. And then, sure enough, the next year. Wait. So when? Wait. When did you guys get the, that truck? Ninety six. Ninety. Right. So. So it was right after because I toured with you in like ninety six. It was ninety five. Right 96. after that, we were yeah, still in that yeah. van on that tour. Yeah. And we weren't signed to Epitaph yet. It happened, like, all right, began to happen right, right, right after right. that tour. Dude, well, because we did a tour with All Later when I was in The Clowns, and mm-hmm. we had the same reaction to those trucks. I didn't know you guys had that same truck, mm-hmm. but they hated them at that point. They were like, oh, oh yeah. they're hot. Right. And, like, they they, they wave back and forth like yeah. a ship in sea. Yeah. Yeah, we thought it was the most brilliant thing. We were like, we're going to get one of these trucks, and then they just were like, dude, you don't want to, you don't want to be in this thing. Like, it's only good for like after two for weeks. Parking. Yeah, after two <laughs> weeks, and in cold weather or super hot weather, it's no good. But if <laughs> it the does weather's... seem like the most brilliant thing, yeah. it's way cheaper than a bus, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it's easy to customize because they're all wood on the inside, so you can just literally like build them out. Yeah, what we did tour in March in Canada once, and that right after, and then we swore we'd never do it because you're like in a refrigerator, you're in a freezer, yeah. it never gets warm because it's just metal. The metal stays cold. And you're just like in in a freezer. So we did that, and we just swore we would do try to tour in moderate climates. It's like the it's like the ongoing search that band these that medium bands have like yep. for a while there it was the airport van but those things would they always break down yeah yeah they don't you know, have you the see a van with the airport truck and you're like oh this is brilliant it's like comfy but like they go 55 and break and so mm. after you do one tour with them you're like this is the worst I mean it's really the diesel van, engine you got to have a diesel engine diesel is what's pretty brilliant yeah and at the Ford dealer when we bought it the guy was like. Yep, this thing will run for 300,000 miles. Yeah. And after that, you're going to start having problems. <laughs> and flash forward to 2006, okay? We put out the gold record, and we're going on tour, and I'm looking at the odometer. It's like 287,000 <laughs> miles, right? <laughs> and I'm like the guy. There is This thing's going to run like a bear for 300,000 miles, like as we're driving, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the bubble appears over your head. Yeah, like it's just like a flashback happening. Sure enough, no South Dakota, you know, <laughs> on the highway, yeah. 
something happens like the you know something explodes and then there it is like this thing's gonna run like a bear to 300,000 miles and just like clockwork just before 300,000 miles that's awesome that's 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 weird that they called it because you think if you know that's gonna happen maybe there's something preventative you could do that's all you get buddy see ya it's a science Ford science of metal fix or repair daily right that's hilarious. That's really great. I saw, there was, I remember on one of the many warp tours you guys were on, I think it was San Francisco or something happened to the Bad Religion bus, and so I think they all came and clamored onto yours. Um, or somebody's. I don't think the Bad Religion guys no. ever rode in the White Castle. Okay. But I know there's been many breakdowns on the warp tour yeah. where people are trading off buses and stuff. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the warp tour like always amazed me because I would see you guys there, then I would see you guys around here. But did you ever do the whole tour? A okay. few times, yeah. A few times, okay, straight mm-hmm. through. I've never seen a band really know how to work that tour more than the Bouncing Souls. Maybe no effects, maybe so? religion. Just because you guys had it. I remember showing up one time just to hang out and saw you at, um, you know, Brian was carrying this big bag of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And I was like, we what's got, that yeah, for? And you yeah, like, oh, yeah. it's a shower. Just leave it in the sun. It's awesome. <laughs> and then he was setting the shower up and there were some kids walking around the back and Pete just came out and I thought there were fans coming over to hang out and just in one where Pete went clear off <laughs> and they just took off and like left that. I thought was like, right this is shower time get yeah. the hell out of here See ya. <laughs> um, yeah I mean the Warp Tour for sure it's kind of like it's definitely band boot camp like yeah. it's gnarly if you're in a van and you have to drive eight hours all night and then like be in the hot sun all day. It's like, it's like mini nom, you know? <laughs> well, it's, I've said this before. It's like in the van, it's the worst thing on earth. In a bus, it's like the funnest summer you'll ever have. <laughs> right, right, it's right. literally like night and day. There's yeah, like yes. no. Yep. I pulled the biggest dick move ever. I worked mm-hmm. on a bunch of years, but my band played on it one summer of only like five dates. Mm-hmm. And I was working for AP at the time. So we would play and then they would drive in the van and I had a bus spot. So I'd be like, no. I'm going to go to the barbecue and party and eat a bunch of food and get drunk. Like have a yeah, good night not sleeping and driving. Right, right. You're literally the equivalent of the lead singer who goes like, okay, I'm going to get on the plane now. <laughs> See you guys in Pittsburgh. It was awesome. And I never realized what a dick I must have looked like till like this moment. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, dick or smart or smart. Too. Exactly. God, I mean, that was that, those buses were like Amistad. <laughs> they would always. I couldn't do it because I have severe motion sickness, so I'd always have to rent a car and leave. We'd work all day, and then oh yeah, everybody would get the bus that. at seven, and I would get a car. You just couldn't ride in a bus. I didn't know that. No, yeah. I, can't, I can't even ride in the passenger seat. What it's, is it? The lying down or is no? It like... I get it so annoying it started when i was a kid and we lived in europe and we were just driving these windy roads and my dad just got tired of me throwing up in the back seat of his car so they would dose me oh uh, wow and so i would just i missed all of this gorgeous you know west german countryside uh-huh. because i was passed out <laughs> and and uh, you know wake up like on a puddle of comic books and like, what happened? you're in vienna okay <laughs> You know, it was just awful, and I thought I'd grow out of it. I never did, and it's gotten worse and worse. Wild, man. You get really bad car sick. But you fly all the time. I have to take Dramamine as soon as I get on. Really? It's also different because cars, I used to get car sick pretty bad. No, I get really bad on planes, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's worthless. So I'd have to rent a car and then drive to the next town when we finished shooting. So I was doing, like, the van trip, but then we'd have a hotel. But by the time we got to the hotel, it was midnight, so we'd sleep for a few hours. But then what we did, which I thought was cool, is we would 
take the hotel key and we would just give it to various bands we interviewed and say, oh, yeah. go shower, go hang out. That's a sweet and let deal. everybody go in because the way we worked it on, on the rock show was um, by the end of it, I helped out with the budgeting. Mm-hmm. So we made everybody, we everybody flew like we like cheap seats and we would just book like Westons and amazing hotels and go out to ridiculous dinners at night nice. and have everything just organized. But man, the driving, God, I, and I only did it for like <clears throat> two weeks. Can't imagine a whole tour. Yeah, mini nom. Yeah, <laughs> as stated. <laughs> now, when did when did the Home for the Holidays shows start? These are great. Um, it's been six or seven years, I think. This will be the seventh one. And you guys just camp out in the Stone Pony and bring in all bands you like. Yeah, yep. We have to give a little cred to the Mighty Money Boston's for helping us out with the idea. Oh, the Throwdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was how it kind of was conceived, mm-hmm. and it's just the idea. As we'd hoped, mm-hmm. it's turned into a really fun annual thing. It's like mm-hmm. a party every every year, a holiday party. I think the last time I saw you was, was doing this gig for Chevy. We interviewed you guys, and it was you one are amazing with your fans. But you did this um, uh, shoe giveaway. Oh yeah, the and, vans, the vans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they were great. And it was something fun. Like there was something got screwed up in the printing. Uh. Right, that seems like it happens yeah, a lot. Yeah, you know, and so you were like, well, we'll take, so, so I think Kate told me you guys had a whole bunch of shoes, and like, oh, well, we'll have a, uh, uh, like a fan day. Yes, yes, at, that was the one of the holiday shows. Yeah. It's a massive challenge to try to come up with new stuff every year, <laughs> and new music, or like a new, the, the mu- musically to come up with new stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've come, I think my favorite so far is we did the, um, the bingo machine, where we wrote all the names of our songs on ping pong balls and had a, one of those st- things on stage, like the old school, full old school bingo machine. Awesome. And that was two or three years ago. But every year we have to come up with something, you know what I mean? Well, like, so any song comes up and you just have to know all the lyrics. Yeah, like, I mean, have you heard, like, Elvis Costello had the wheel? Yeah. We kind of were inspired by that. But we huh. thought, like, if we could get a bingo machine, that would rule. And we did. And the bingo machine was awesome. It was an old school one. But what we did was we had our buddy. <laughs> it was kind of like a game show. It kind of ended up feeling like a game show because our buddy <clears throat> was on the side with the machine and he'd pick a ball while we're playing a song. And he'd pick a, the ball, look at it, and then write it on a dry erase board and show the crowd. So the crowd knew what the song was. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the song would end. <clears throat> And then he'd show us, and we'd be like, all right, processing, processing, you know, one, two, three, four, go. And then. All right, but here's the question. Did you really put every single song in there? E- almost. Because. Yeah, almost. So I, some stuff we cheated you might not a little bit. in years. You yeah. And the, yeah. We cheated a little bit, but it was pretty accurate. And those guys only cheated. I, we asked them after the show, they're like, a couple times, like, some bad ones came up. So we, <laughs> They're like DJ in the set. They're like, that's not going to flow well. <laughs> so, yeah, there was minimal cheating going on. But you've done album shows. I saw you do the gold record. Yeah. Once. Yeah, we did. Because the only reason that we could do that is because we had just done our discography shows. We'd right. done two records a night for four nights in a row in eight cities around the country, which was like, we were, it was like the equivalent of being like, band workout it was like musical workout right. like real like brain and physical uh workout but by the end of it by the seventh or eighth city we were breezing through our entire discography with 108 songs with no repeats 
And it was like, we fucking, we're like, you know, we were all yeah. like, dude, we rule, you know? I, I can't even imagine. Like, when you think about bands who've been around for that long, just your catalog yeah. of songs that you put on a record that you know you're probably never going to play live. Yes. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah. Plus, we were like, you know, it's like cleaning out your closet and you're like, dude, where, why, did I, why did I have this? <laughs> but it was a song, you know? Yeah. What was it? <laughs> Speaking of songs, like, uh, I was curious. I'm friends with Sarah Saturday. Yeah. I, and I always wondered, kind of, I remember when that song came out, how that kind of came about and how she maybe was involved. Not really. I mean, to, <laughs> the, to honest truth, we all knew Sarah. And as a friend, you know, we just, we liked her just from knowing her on the web tour. And we had started writing a song which had the character, a girl, in it. It really was, not, had nothing to do with, with Sarah Saturday. But we were like, we need a good name. You know what I mean? This is the true story. But... I don't, you know, I'm like, Sarah's awesome, so it's cool, and it's all, you know, it can be about her, too, but this song wasn't like, we I don't want anyone to think we're, like, putting her on this big pedestal and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> although she's awesome, but her, once someone was like, maybe you call it Sarah Saturday, and we're like, yeah, like, that's the best name, and that's, what, we just went with it, Yeah. and then, of course, it became about her, and, like, the whole big thing, but that's the story. Okay, that's, I was wondering that. Thank yeah. you. And I think she officially changed her name to Sarah Saturday. Really? Yes. Shanti told me that recently. <laughs> that's great. Mm-hmm. And then Kate is great. I love that song. Yeah. And that was a similar deal, too. We had the song written, and we called Kate. And we're like, we got this new song. We don't know what to call it. And she said, call it Kate is great. And we're like, done. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Genius. Kate's been your manager forever, yes? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. Smart. Yes. I mean, many people have said to us they wished they had a Kate. Yeah. <clears throat> Wait, didn't something happen a few months ago where you guys got robbed? Was it in Scranton or somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. It was a dark moment just yeah. last summer. Yeah, we got some cash stolen. Yeah. What were like passports and things? Undisclosed like amount. Uh, a lot of just... Scranton. Worse, almost worse <clears throat> than passports. Kate, the the label and was getting audited. So she had all her paperwork that she'd been working on for months to give to the auditor. So it's like... That's painful. It was like truly excruciating. Like, end cash. You know what I mean? Like a decent amount of cash. A lot of cash. That's like, at that point, you're like... We'll double the cash if you give us back that useless paperwork. <laughs> and then explaining that to the auditor probably sounds like you're totally oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah, it got stolen out like, of the car. <laughs> yeah, right? No way they're believing that. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's awful. It was, it was. And then, you know, at the end of a tour when you're already just kind of burned and you're like, okay, we did good. The tour was good. The shows are good. We made some money. And you're just like, what? Hey, at least it was an instruments, man. That's the Yeah, yeah. It could have been a lot worse. Exactly. The story that you usually hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you stolen? Not on tour, but yeah, I've lost some guitars. Dude, I had a guitar, an awesome, irreplaceable guitar taken off the stage at CB's. Wild. Like, we came running in late for a show. I put down my backup guitar, ran backstage, put on my guitar. We were late. We were literally, they were waiting for us to play. We jump on stage, play the whole set. I get off, I'm like, wait a minute, I came in with two guitars. Somebody, like, while, I, while we were, like, set up, and just grabbed it off the stage. Dude, I was... It was it was very memorable because I ended up going all all through CBGB's basement with Richie Stotts, who was 
adamant that I needed to find this guitar. So I'm like, he's like, come on, Brad, come on. He's taking me into like the basement where you don't go. It's like full of old chairs and cobwebs and rats. And he's got a flashlight. I'm kind of like at the door, like, dude, that's okay, Richie. I don't think it's in there, man. And he's like, it was awesome. (laughs) I just need an excuse to go in the catacombs, man. But it was an irreplaceable. I mean, the guitar was like, it was this, it was a Greco, which is actually this Japanese company that made the copies of guitars that were better than the originals. And it was a copy of a Dan Armstrong. So like the thing about this Lucite Dan Armstrongs is that I actually traded a real Dan Armstrong for the copy (laughs) because the Dan Armstrong, you couldn't intonate it. And so it was fun to play and you could play it live. But the minute you tried to record it, it had all these weird, like it like almost, cause you know, if a guitar is not intonated, you go up the neck and the notes. Well, Nope. It would have the Lucite body would have these weird like I'm sure there's Dan Armstrong purists out there who are fucking <laughs> cursing me out right now. Like you're totally like full to of shit. You're a shitty Dan Armstrong listeners. But anytime I try to record with, it, I just get all these crazy like harmonics that would kind of ex- exaggerate the 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 out of tune. Mm. So I traded it for this awesome Greco that had kind of been modified a little bit. The, Dan, those are the clear ones, right? Yeah, yeah. That's like Stephen Egerton plays it. It's like okay. a clear guitar. Yeah. All right, and it always comes back to the Descendants. Yes, always works out. Um, how does a band work? And I want to ask you guys specifically this because you said you moved to LA, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a testament to being with guys from high school, but and it's also a healthy thing to be spread out. Mm-hmm. It, I think so. How does that work? It wasn't easy at first, but in in the end, it you know we're all. As a band, I mean, a real band is like kind of a family of your brothers, and you you got to live and grow together. And you grow as a, as a musical group, but you also grow in your personal lives. So I think you know to do that together and respect each other for what things have to change, which is inevitable, is what makes you know is part of the success because we care about each other, and it, it comes through in the music. I think, and that's why people care too. Was there, you know, was there was there a flack of like ah punk rock guy from Jersey moving to LA? Yeah, all that happened. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, and it was hard, like you know, because I left physically and I wasn't around as much. When I came back, the dynamic changed for sure. You know, it was like, and it was like figuring that out definitely wasn't easy for a few years. But it also made us. We had to change. You have to change, and you've got to figure it out because it's not always easy. Yeah, well, everyone's going to grow up, and I just growing up together. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, um, we work. It, now it's like we've got our system down, you know, like if we tour, sometimes we don't practice. You know, we show up, like, and we call ourselves, we paratroop in, and hopefully we can do it. Just jump in there and be like, okay, go. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, but we don't want to do that because we've had a couple situations where we're like, we thought we could be that cool, but we're not that cool. <laughs> You realize third song in. We're just like, oh yeah, maybe we should have practiced for a week. <laughs> exactly. Or like, I hope those first two shows that people paid for realize don't realize how bad we were. You know, sounded <laughs> really raw today. Hey everybody, we're gonna give you your money back tonight at the end of the night. Yeah, really apologize. Paratroop out. <laughs> yeah. So the policy now is to actually get at least one rehearsal in. <laughs> that's the policy at least one i don't even know how you with your song catalog like put a set list together because you're not going to please i want to say anyone because like so many people are such diehard fans it's ridiculous it's comedy i mean yeah. every day i mean it's constantly like it's almost 
it's comedy and it's pure painfulness because mm-hmm. every day we're like, what do we want to write? And then we finally write a set and then somebody's like, we should do this. And you're just like, shut up. No, stop talking about it. <laughs> this thing's written. Leave it. You know? Have you, have, you, have you been in the band where someone has called out a song that's not on the set list and you've just played it? Oh, all the time. See, a lot of bands can't do that. Yeah, we do all. that on purpose because it's something we need because we write the same sets, you know what I mean? So we've had, we've had and that was one year at the Home for the Holidays, we had Write Your Own Set. So people sent us in sets and we picked four and chose, you know, the ones we liked and then invited them on stage and they hung out and watched their set. And that was a blast. And that actually, I want to do more of, we all want to do more of because people think of stuff that we don't think of. And we think people like stuff and they don't. Right. That's actually, that sounds like a really smart crowdsource your set. I like that. It I is. I did that once at the Warped they, Tour and they asked fans during the day to pick their set list. Mm-hmm. And they asked me and I said, play the decline twice and then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best no effect show Wouldn't ever. it? Yes. <laughs> I think that would be really fun. Could That's, you... I saw, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. Go. Uh, I saw Chuck Reagan the other night or twice last week and I know you guys have like an amazing bond with Hot Order Music. I mean, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, we all first met when we were... Our, our records were out on Epitaph and we did some shows together and we just instantly were like just kind of connected because we all kind of started around the same time. We've been tour- toured like maniacs. And so it was just like our paths kind of went like that. And uh, we just kind of all had a good time hanging out. And then musically, I think, I think musically we kind of... St- did cool things for each other just like being at their shows and checking their music out and then letting it soak in and then it was like a mutual thing that was a good just a good relationship as far as like buds and music buds and and it just has always continued is it is it do you listen to a lot of newer bands i mean is it harder for you to relate to kind of like a 20 year old i you know i i don't at all almost barely i mean there's music i I listened Shanti. I discover music through Shanti because, and I've never really been the kind of person that's like on the front edge of like what's new and what's good, whether it's good or not, or cool or trendy. I've always just been like, I like listening to like soul music and like that's what I really love. And then I'll discover something or someone will tip me off to something and maybe I'll like it. But I don't know what it is. I think it's a generational thing. I think it's a really like an energetic thing. Like, new music kids that are 20 years old are making music for kids that are 20 years old roughly you know what i mean and i appreciate some of it but it doesn't like move me you know what i mean and that's what i want music to do move me. listening to soul makes sense because i was telling saying this to brad earlier like when you sing like you have this voice that's just booming and emotional but it also seems effortless like i've never seen someone hold the mic so low and it just like you can hear every syllable and word well that's cool man that's i appreciate that and it's taken me like a ton of trial and error you know i've done it wrong for a long time <laughs> you know if just it comes i from from doing it and um you know doing music with shanti like quiet music mm-hmm. because i realized once i started doing real quiet acoustic music that i had hadn't been listening very well because when it's really loud you can't hear a whole lot but when you're doing acoustic music, every little sound you make, you hear, everyone hears, and every little sound 
you know, I just grew up <clears throat> with that microphone, everything loud right. for 10 years, just at the full, my full capacity. And when I would get a little quiet, you have so much more control. You have so a lot more feeling. So I, I hadn't really experimented with that aspect of my singing, you know, being quiet and singing quietly and that kind of stuff. So I've done that in the last 10 years, I think, more. And it's helped. Well, it makes sense if you listen to soul music, because that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to a lot of bouncing also? Yes. Boom! I'm usually bouncing with souls. <laughs> Good one. And we're out! <laughs> Jonah just threw the mic and Damn. walked out. That was Sorry, amazing. Sorry. <laughs> you had to do it. And I'm glad I you did. To, right? I'm, I'm yeah, happy it happened. I'm glad he didn't hold that one back. <laughs> No, I don't get that a lot. I get the opposite a lot. Yeah, really? People like, are like, dude, dude you're a dick. This guy, who's this guy? <laughs> I listen to a lot of serious um, things, no, serious XM, and man, uh, Faction, like, they play Static a lot. Like, it's in heavy rotation over there. Yeah. They like tune. us over there. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's all right. Yeah, and they have, and it's funny, because like, as somebody listens to them a lot in the morning, that it's like always goes back to uh that tune teenage bottle rocket you know it's great right. <laughs> for somebody like me like that's like perfect morning music it's really really solid so awesome. it's good that bouncing souls have radio play when it doesn't seem to be something that you ever needed or wanted yeah i mean of course it was always something we would we wanted i mean sure but we never we just decided not to go the major label route back when it was like a, an option that was something that you wanted to do. You right. know? Like now it's just a whole different world. It's not even, doesn't relate anymore. Did that rear its head where you recorded at some point? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I mean, when you signed Epitaph, that was closing in. They yeah. They were like, I mean, they were major actually, but they just not in the way they treated their bands, not in the way they marketed them. But in terms of, they were moving records. Oh, yeah. Like that. But yeah, that was a great label then. When you guys signed, that was yeah, that was a good time to be. There. Was, my, was it my summer vacation? Is that episode? Is that yes, okay. it was. Uh, the first one was uh, before that. That was the self-titled, the black okay. cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, because of that and the timing of that, you know, we be, were distributed really well in Europe, and we were able to like yeah, be more of an international band because yeah. of that, for sure. That's like the key to it. Like, like you guys literally are an international band. You can play all over the globe. And mm-hmm. there are bands that are super successful in the U.S. but cannot do that. You know? Yeah, so that's pretty much thanks to Epitaph. That's amazing. Is uh, Lamar Vanoa a real person? Yeah. <laughs> he totally is a real person. And uh, yeah, he went on tour with us on our first couple tours. We knew him from like, he grew up near us and he was just a friend and just an interesting person, a character and a, a bud. So, so is the, unlike the other songs, is that song written specifically about him? Kinda, yeah. No, that's a good, really good question because it was really about him and how seeing his life it, it inspired a story, the story about him because he was struggling. I think at that age, and we were kind of at our early twenties, and he were all kind of like grown up, sort of grown up punk rockers, but not really, and trying to like figure out being in the real world but not really wanting to and i think that's where that song came from we were the same age we were that age he was that age and he was just kind of that person that we could kind of look at and use that example and then of course his name rhymed with oi 
<laughs> it was just like because that's how literally i mean total like it really started as oi 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 and his name is the marvin oi. We're like can we really make that into a song you know we're like why not like let's try it you know because that's that's literally how it started it rhymes yeah. a funny story about lamar too is oh man if i can remember this um one of his old buddies wanted to get in touch with him so he called like f- uh information it was like hello can I-, <laughs> I would like the number of lamar vinoy and the operator was like oi 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 lamar vinoy no way! yes <laughs> <laughs> the operator no. was like really <laughs> No way. I don't know the exact story, but that's what happened. Like he called someone he was asking for Lamar. Oh, that's amazing. I don't know the I wish I knew the exact details on it. But, uh yeah. Myth yeah. Yeah, yeah. Myth flow. Yeah. We had on our podcast uh, Jim Shear. Oh yeah. He's on VH1 and he's a super super bouncing souls fan. And he uh was working at MTV2 for a long time. And uh, you guys have in, in the basement of Kate a big anti-MTV. Yeah. Yeah. We had thing. our, that was the shirt we did back in uh, whatever, 90, 95. The, no, the band, MTV sign with no, with the band symbol over it. Yeah. And we were all just at the mutual moment. Like, I don't know when it happened, but we're all like, that's cool. Let's put it on a shirt. You know, it just was like, at that time, mm-hmm. it was just cool. I think when you when we talked to you years later on Fuse, you were like, "Oh yeah, we've never done this before." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like really, right? I thought MTV would snag you up, and I think Brown was like, "No, check this out." <laughs> right, yeah, and this just the shirt yeah. got lots of attention. You know, we weren't that big of a band, but the shirt you guys got attention. You were merch. I felt like you were like lucky geniuses. Like yeah, I never sure with the bottles. I felt like I and saw that. We got to give Brian all the credit because so Brian, Brian, Brian is the artist, you know. And we would conceptualize things, but Brian really made it happen, you know. But that tour that I, I did with you guys was '96, I think. That's when you had the work shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sold shirts oh for being God. cool shirts. These we, guys had these. They bought just boxes and boxes of old work shirts. For pennies, like he paid for them by the pound. I think, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And like, before them and sold them for five bucks. So kids are like stoked. It's like not <laughs> only the cheapest thing in the merch booth, but it's the coolest. Right. And they just fucking shoveled them. Yeah. <laughs> like we'd be sitting there at the merch booth, like, fuck, man, like yeah. just piling these things into the kids, like just moving tons of merch every night, and the shirts cost them nothing. Yeah, until they wised up, you know, like the, <laughs> those people who sold those shirts figured it out eventually oh, after they a did? year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> after like a year or two, and then, you know, companies started making shirts right, like that. Right, So, that was yeah. just That was so brilliant. Yeah, literally, Brian's conceptualizing of, of that stuff attracted so much attention because it was like a visual thing and people started wearing the shirts but we weren't i mean like the rancid we did a rancid show with you guys and i'm sure you outsold rancid at the maybe like with at the maybe I, I don't know about that but okay i mean i <laughs> <laughs> did you um, say someone on there on in the bouncing souls camp like summed up to you guys why you weren't selling merch oh no that was actually our 
our road manager. Oh, your road like, manager. <laughs> I was I'm halfway through the tour. I'm like, fuck, these guys are moving. I mean, that tour was fucked up because we actually were headlining that tour. And these guys were outdrawing the fuck of us. Because we had just signed and we were supposed to have a single at radio and it never got picked up. And at the beginning of the tour, I remember looking at the routing and going, these are Bouncing Souls towns. And that's what Stormy Shepherd was, our booking agent. So yeah, it was like, just Well, not- you guys have this single going to radio and you'll be really surprised. By the time you get there... You'll be, you'll be. Uh, You're still waiting. You'll be the headliner. <laughs> you'll be deserving of headlining status, and it was not true. Like these guys completely outdrew us. Like half the crowd would leave after the bouncing soul set, <laughs> and like, and the merch was just the final kick in the ass because. <clears throat> I mean, you guys just moved tons of merch no matter who you were with. But, like, I remember I was, like, I bitched about the merch thing. And it was Gentleman Jim. Was Jim, yeah. Out. And Jim goes, uh, he goes, you, Brad, he goes, I didn't want to say this, but I think you guys make merch that you want to wear, not what the kids want to wear. <laughs> this is a totally thing. That's what we deal with now. Like, we're like, what do kids want? You know, nobody. Yeah, really you're going to guess, right? Yeah. And but- he was dead on. As soon as he said that, I was like, fuck yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. <laughs> right. You move, you move the merch into another direction because now there's like onesies, you know? Yeah. Because fans are growing. You know? Yep, exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Do you have merch for Playdate? We do. Oh, dude. Yeah. We got to talk. Totally. Oh, yeah. So totally. It's so a whole new reinvention. We have coloring books. You made little coloring books. <sighs> this is So this is it. You've got your retirement set up. Not quite. I mean, it's not <laughs> there yet. I mean, we had, it's new. It's we had our idea, and our idea is successful. You know, I mean, now we have to, like, take it to the next place, you know. Yeah. Like, a lot of people came out. Like, Eddie Numskull came out and did a show, and he's a promoter in Southern California. And he's like, this is awesome, because we didn't just do the show. We just, like, we put out a, a table, and we had, like, a big brown paper, and the kids can draw. We said, draw a dancing monster. We have a song called Dance Like a Monster. So we have, like, other stuff. We have, like, a little beanbag toss at the show. Oh, dude. It's like a whole experience. Exactly. And so... We f- you might want to start idea, doing this in the Souls shows too. Yeah, Bring back right? Toss and some color. Well, we played <laughs> we played in Asbury Park, right at the lanes. And uh, after the show, one of the girls that works at the venue is like, you know, there's not much of a difference between a four year old and a drunken thirty year old. <laughs> They're about the same. They behave the same. <laughs> That's my question. What's more annoying, someone talking during the show or someone crying during your show? <laughs> well, with the kids. It's really awesome because the kids have no sense of like, oh, we need at least to be polite. You know what I mean? Right. So you don't really know a lot of times if people are liking it. With kids, you know. you, And it's been a cool performing experience because you really got to write your set. You know, you come out with one song, hey, kind of energetic, another energetic one. And then we ease back and we start to lose them. So then we do a song where we're interacting. It's like a number song or a color song. And we ask them to... Th- give us out throw us out colors so we're in then we really have to actually engage with them this is a lot of work dude. yeah we really thought it out so you know instantly and you can't get mad at a kid if he's not like it he doesn't like it yeah he's out of there and it's, it's cool <laughs> it's very honest you know so yeah we we didn't when we hadn't performed yet we were kind of like we got to figure this out because if all those kids are going to be bored it's going to suck right <laughs> Because they'll tell you immediately. <laughs> they're just going to not be into it. And they're not going to, they're going to walk away or they're just going to do something else. Do you have to go into old standards like, okay, I've been working on the railroad. Here we go. No, no, okay. no, no. But what we do do is uh, like we have a song called Colors 
and it's we ask them to help us write the song, which is really cool. And it, it's like the song's called Colors. We have a chorus. Colors, we like colors. Colors, we like you. That's the chorus. And then we're like, we don't have the verses. Can someone help us out? Like, we need something that's the color red, you know? They're like, Apple, and they all get into it, you know? So we're like, okay, Apple, we need something color, the color orange. Oranges are orange. Yes, all right, cool, you guys. Thanks for the words. You know, Apple, red is the color of an apple. Orange is the color of an orange. All right, we got a verse. Cool, you know? And that's then we super sing. Super smart kid is like, chartreuse. <laughs> Home. <laughs> we don't know what chartreuse is, kid. Oh. It's a palish green. I, I don't understand. Okay. So yeah, that that song wow. we have a couple of things like that that they're like, oh cool, yeah, you know, and they interact. Oh, that's great. That's fun. Then you know, this is all. all right, I want to come to a show. When can I come? You to should. A show? Um, maybe we might be doing. There's a a kids festival in brooklyn it's happened i think it's too late though we were talking about doing it but i think it's not going to happen this year and i just got to do a matinee show at the home for the holidays yeah that's a possibility you know whole kids yeah like the afternoon event there's a whole lot of people at my local library that show with a guitar and think they can perform for kids and it's it's not pretty (laughs) right right pretty at all (laughs) we want to make that good yeah and that's key yeah and you can. That's the thing. I mean, that's the sad thing is that you could make it good. It doesn't have to be that dude with the guitar. No. Mm-hmm. It can be bouncing souls. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, like uh, the Muppet Show was like the whole inspiration. Like I used to watch that with my parents and yeah. we all liked it. Yeah. Just so that was the idea. The record that everyone will like. It's a kid's record, but it's not like you wouldn't really... If you just put it on and you were just hearing it, it wouldn't obviously be super obvious that this is a total kids' record. Some of the songs are totally obvious, but not all of them. You know, it works when you as a parent are by yourself and you're humming something. (laughs) Yeah, and you're the one who's going to play it. In Mm -hmm. the end, you're going to choose it for them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, they really have no say. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, I barely, I got so hammered at the Revival Tour on Saturday because I haven't drank and like, fuck, because I get up so early for yoga yeah. and then when all of a sudden it's like unlimited beer and Chuck Reagan, I'm like, I'm getting wasted. I made out with some girl. I slept on some couch in Park Slope. Like, rock on. By the way, these are all these things that I wish we could, you would say on the podcast. <laughs> he just said it. I'm rolling. <laughs> I'm not editing this out. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Oh, God. You guys better start listening to these things. I listen. <laughs> I, do. I don't listen. know what I'm doing in post. I didn't know about the autotune. That was very funny. So I guess we could just make that the outro. <laughs> that was it. Okay. <laughs> so staying in. <laughs> so we finished talking to Greg, and Greg runs out to his car and comes back and brings three little gift bags for Brad and I, for our kids, for play date. It was so awesome. I mean... We were just we were saying on another podcast how we get these guests that make us feel like we're not doing enough. Like I would love to be in my first band still because I everyone loves their first band. I think that is like a dream scenario. Like you all, your first band is the greatest band in the world, and it's the band that you are going to take over the world with. You know, like it's just it's like a successful 
high school sweetheart scenario that it's mar- you know the couple that's married 50 years later and you can tell that they're still having sex you know it's like <laughs> i'm jealous on the one hand but i'm also just happy to see it happen because it I'm is cool fan. to see that it's that that oh, oh that can happen that's awesome yeah and but also all this other stuff that he's doing is now i do start to get a little jealous because like <laughs> the children's stuff is awesome because mm-hmm. like as a parent, this is what I've been waiting for. Somebody cool to do it. You know, I mean, there's been plenty of kind of cool, nerdy people, but like Greg's really cool. And I'm, I can't wait to listen to this record. It's cool when someone does something like that, too. And you're like, I wish it was me, but like, it's kind of nice. I didn't have to do any work. Yeah. and I can enjoy it. Like someone, <laughs> someone did this. So that's cool. That's true. I didn't think about that. Just think <laughs> about people who are so creative, they can't help it. Yeah. You know, that's just all they do. He's been, I mean, and he's been working on Playdate forever. We talked, even before there was a name. Like I talked to him about it for a long, a long time ago. Just got to be cool. And, and the analogy of the the drunk thirty year old and the four year old will just stay with me forever. That's perfect. Uh, hit us up on Facebook dot com slash going off track. If you want to leave us a comment or send us a message, go onto our website to hear all of our past episodes. Every single one is there. It's also on the iTunes, who are awesome. I say they're awesome just because I like the way it's put together and the ease at which Brad can put them on and not make me feel so silly. Also, we don't have to worry about getting royalties from them. So. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, if you want to donate to our podcast, if you dig us so much, you want to throw some money our way, that would be great. There's a button to do that. And follow us on Twitter at goingofftrack.com. Next week, more. Or less. It might be less than an hour. We don't know yet. Yeah, who knows? Depends on how Brad wants to edit it. Edit it long. <laughs> <laughs>